Welcome to the Advocate in Education podcast. We're bringing all of our podcasts under one roof, and I am beyond excited to bring the Humans of Education podcast into the Advocate fold and bring more educational, beneficial content to all of our listeners. This week is an awesome episode. I've got an inspirational human of education, and I think you're going to love what he has to say. I'm excited to share this episode with Mr. Trevor Timmerberg. He has a lot going on from being an assistant principal, an Ironman, a former college and professional athlete, and he's got a lot to say about leadership and impact and how to manage your time to do it all and be successful and be a great partner in a relationship while impacting your students. I hope you guys love this episode. As always, this episode of the Advocate in Education podcast is brought to you by our Advocate Partner Schools who make a choice to take action to impact the mental, emotional, and physical wellness of their staff and students. If you want to learn more, comment wherever you see this, shoot me a direct message on Instagram or Twitter, and we will get you taken care of so you can take care of your staff and students. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. We've got a special guest today. It's exciting for me to be back on the podcast doing interviews after a short little hiatus. But tonight we've got Trevor Timmerberg on the show. He reached out to me wanting to come on the show, talk about balance, physical health, and how to, you know, stay healthy, stay active, even though there are so many constraints on educators in today's teaching and leadership world. So Trevor, welcome to the show. Happy to be here, man. Thanks. So man, you've got a lot going on just with the little bit of research that I've done. You're a high school administrator. You're in school to get your doctorate, I believe. You're an army officer. You're a former former D1 and professional athlete. And you're also an Ironman triathlete. So much going on. Talk to me. Just give us a background of who you are in general before we go into who you are in education. Yeah, I think uh, what's been cool as part of my journey is that I'm just kind of following the next cool adventure, the cool uh, thing to do next that kind of lines up with uh, my purpose and my values. So at a young age, that looked a lot like leadership and leadership primarily through athletics. Um, That was kind of the the only paradigm that I had to understand it. Um, But really where I think one of the cornerstone aspects of athletics that I enjoyed was the that camaraderie, that team mentality, along with leadership. And so I really got my fix uh, through that venture. Um, and then, you know, that that progressed. I really enjoy working hard. I like seeing the fruits of my labor. So uh, sports for me was kind of a no-brainer. I work hard. I see improvement. Therefore, it benefits me uh, with playing time, experiences, next-level opportunities, things like that, and getting to meet a whole lot of really cool people along the way. Um, and then I kind of backed into education, to be honest. I had a early quarter-life crisis when I was finishing up my, my undergrad in college. And I had, a, I had a medical redshirt year, so I had an extra year of eligibility to play. And then I didn't know what I was going to do. So I enrolled in a master's program uh, in communication, which is what my undergrad was in, and then realized maybe my calling was to, to work with young, with young kids in school. And 
So I, I switched real quick and took a crash course in the GRE, kind of fumbled my way through it, got into uh, a master's in teaching program at the university I went and played at, got to play an extra year, uh, got my master's covered through athletics. And then all of a sudden, boom, I'm in this world of education that is a whole new venture that is completely opposite than everything I, I learned in athletics and learning a lot of the soft skills of leadership. And that was a, and, you know, really not very good at it at first. And that was, that was good, right? That's the way, that's the way we learn. And then I thought maybe I was going to do the coaching athletic director route it, through education. That just really wasn't where God was calling me. It wasn't, he wasn't aligning those stars for me. Um, he was really calling me to be in the classroom, working with my, with my students. Uh, I felt like he was calling me to, to pursue leadership and other opportunities. So I got another master's in education, um, started, that, started that program. Um, and that, that really was a catalyst from uh, spending some time as a volunteer firefighter and then uh, starting that process of commissioning as an as a officer in the United States Army uh, as part of the National Guard. So uh, what it's looked like for me the last probably half a decade is uh, a lot of very humbling moments followed by massive opportunities for growth, which is, which has really kind of been, uh, you know, symbolic of my, my journey through life so far is that I get really humbled. And then all of a sudden uh, God reveals to me a whole new world of experience, opportunities, people. And I'm just super blessed to, to be in that position, which is, has me as a, a high school administrator right now, uh, an army officer, and then trying to balance that, that world of uh, physical pursuits to kind of, you know, find some homeostasis somewhere in between. Gotcha, man. You gave me a lot right there. Talk to me about just in general, obviously you have a, a athletic background, you go through school, you have your, your uh, registered year. So you get an extra year, you go to grad school. What leadership principles did you take from athletics specifically to the classroom? So what are those principles and traits early on before you were an army officer, you know, before you started that journey, before you got your master's uh, or started pursuing your master's in education, educational leadership, you know, what did that look like? Just the basics. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty old school. Um, I, I like to think of it as what is the most rudimentary form of leadership we could find. And to me, with the, the leaders that I enjoy following, I find that I emulate them the most. So the ones that I have identified with throughout the years and continue to look at uh, number one in education, uh, starting out for me was was Principal Cafele. Um, he does an AP Leadership Academy, which is phenomenal. He does it free Saturday mornings on YouTube. He's got tons of other resources available. But um, as I was starting that journey in the classroom, I needed to be, I needed to be present. I needed to lead by example. That's the way I dressed, the way I spoke, the way I interacted with students, the way I interacted with adults, and, and I needed to be. I needed to show up with compassion. You can be very hard-nosed and, and rigid and firm with your standards and expectations for the people that we, we have the opportunity and privilege to lead, but we can't do that if we don't have the baseline relational connection. It's different in, in education because we like to think of as teachers as, as up here and students as down here um, in order to make sure that we maintain the right, uh, the right balance in the classroom. I think Yes, that is that is appropriate, right? However, I think what we often miss in education is that even though teachers are some of the most educated and underpaid uh, employees in the world, I think finding out that the human relational connection is the most pivotal component of leadership. P 
People do not follow orders for someone that they don't care about, that they don't believe in, that they don't think cares about them. They will comply, but they won't cooperate. They won't act on their own their own volition, knowing what the intent is of it. So that looks like leading by example, maintaining character and integrity through that, and being humble. Man, how how often I show up to in front of my students and say, look, this is where I got it wrong. Or maybe I'm misunderstanding. Help me understand. And this is not a catcha gotcha moment, but we have to be, we have to set the example. We have to build trust through that connection. And we have to be humble enough to admit that we don't know it all, but we're we're putting the steps, we're, we're making the progress, we're, we're making the right next step, next choice to get us there. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that you brought up the leadership by example. I was hoping you would go that route. Um, our big thing with Teacher Fit and now with Advocate with our students, what, whatever we're talking about, it's always impact by example. So if you're an educator, you can provide that impact just by being present, by showing empathy, by showing up as a healthy individual, mentally, emotionally, physically, and your students are going to see that maybe even take away more from that, how you show up every day, setting the example than they are from the class that you're teaching or the curriculum. And now when we teach our students through our social, emotional, and mental health content, same thing, how they show up every day, they may be able to impact other students by the example they're setting by, again, showing empathy, showing compassion to other students, leading by example. And that's such a powerful tool. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Transitioning into now we have those leadership principles, and I think all of those are carrying over. What examples have you learned from the military and your military training? Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a veteran of the Marine Corps. I was a Marine Corps officer mm. for years, uh, served in the infantry. So I have a certain way of leadership and obviously example is big for us. Um, but what have you taken from your time in the military that you now bring to education? And what lessons do you think other educational leaders can take from you as well with that experience? That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a I'm a CAV officer, so I work. I'm with the uh, CAV troop. That's thank you for that. That's 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 awesome. Um, I think a lot of it translates over, right? No one wants to follow someone that isn't trying to lead the way, and that doesn't always mean. I was listening to a podcast recently. It was talking about, um, I think it was former uh, retired general uh, Hughmaker or Hutmaker. Um, he was with the 160th. Um, he flew helicopters for special forces, but he was saying. Leading by example is not always leading from the front. It's it's putting yourself in a position to add the most impact around you, right? Sometimes that's in the middle. Sometimes it's in the rear, uh, motivating and working with people that are really trying to catch up with the rest of the group, but where you can b- provide the most impact. I think that one of the largest aspects that I've got from some of the amazing leaders that I've been exposed to through the military is that it's not just about leading by example. Yes, that is a, that is a, uh, a prerequisite. For a leader, you need to lead by example. You need to be humble. You need to have integrity. Um, those those kind of things are almost, uh, like I said, prerequisites or required in what you're doing. But what I've gotten from the military is that having an, an intent. I'm sure you understand. What is the commander's intent? We have a mission. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We have usually organizations, companies have a vision. They know what direction they're headed. But what is the intent? If it all boils down to this, and I have to ask, uh, you know, Mr. Smith and, and Mrs. Uh, Jane in the classroom, what they're going to do when a situation arises that we haven't talked about, if they know my intent and the end state of what we're trying to get out of it, 
then we're really going to be in a, a good spot that they can make an informed decision without having to call my office or call somebody else to, to ask for permission, really empowering individuals in the decision-making roles. And that looks like those first line leaders in the military. That looks like those first line leaders in the classroom, which is out of those teachers. And really my ultimate goal as a director of students uh, in administration for education is that I'm trying to empower those students to practice self-discipline so that we don't have to enforce discipline. Right. And when I, when I empower them with that, man, that gives them a, a, a plethora of opportunities to explore and really take charge and take ownership of their lives and the choices they make. So that, that having that, that clear intent, what do I want people to get out of our mission, where our focus, having an end state, what does success look like on the other end? And then one of the major factors that the military teaches over and over again, uh, I should say reinforces, is backwards plan. If you don't have a plan in place, like if you, if you know your end state, if you're not backwards planning, working back towards what do we need to do right now and the next step, the 50-meter target in order to get to the 300-meter target, then we're failing our subordinates. We're failing, we're failing the junior leadership surrounding us. And we're failing the people that we answer to because we, as the leaders, owners of and responsible for what we're trying to accomplish, have not given the people around us the tools that they need to be successful. 100%. And I think there's a maybe a weakness overall in educational leadership in the setting example in, you know, forward thinking. It's a very, from what I see, it's a very reactive atmosphere in a lot, a lot of schools and districts. And I think what you're saying and, you know, other examples that great leaders that I also see are setting is that empowering your subordinates. That's something that I think is priceless in any environment, but specifically education, those teachers that are on the front lines making the hard decisions each day, that first line of impact or defense with students and being able to empower them to make decisions to take action is such a powerful tool. But then having leaders that do set the example like yourself, you know, like leaders that you've mentioned um, is just such a powerful tool. And I hate when I see or I talk to teachers and school counselors that are like, hey, my principal is just just not making those decisions, just sitting on their hands and being reactive, you know, and, and I hear it really all too often, specifically in the world of educator wellness and student mental health and wellness. So I hope that that message and you continuing to share that message uh, continues to you know push out and make an impact. So I appreciate that. I want to switch gears a little bit. So I see you as an individual, just based on what I've read and speaking to you for only a few minutes now, that you're a person that chooses to do hard things. You don't just take life as it comes and take the easiest route. You know, you're a competitive athlete. You went on to play professional. You were a volunteer firefighter. You decided to continue to level up in education. You've joined the National Guard. You didn't just choose to take a job that may have been easier. You decided to join the cavalry, you know, an elite unit that does things that are hard. So what qualities were instilled in you, maybe from educators or coaches that led to that? And then part two of the question is, what power do you see in doing hard things? And you can go into kind of, you know, why did you choose to do an Ironman? You don't have to do that, right? But you're, you're making a conscious decision to like, hey, I'm going to train for an Ironman, even though I'm a high school administrator, I'm in grad school, I'm getting my doctorate, um, I'm doing all these things but I'm still choosing to do hard things. So where did that come from? And then what power do you see in choosing to do that? 
Yeah. Why did I choose to do an Ironman? I would say ignorant bliss somewhat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, actually, it was a it was a joint venture. So my fiance and I uh, both decided to go in it together. And we actually chose to do it last fall. We're going to do Ironman Chattanooga in, uh, it would have been September of 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, But the pandemic happened, or was that had already been happening, right? And it got canceled a month or two out. So we had to get deferred till a a year and a month later, October of 2021. And we transferred to, because we changed the date. So we transferred to, Ironman Indiana. Um, it was a massive blessing in disguise and a super uh, profound experience to train together. She is also um, super tough. She she's a she's a uh, education. She's in education as a teacher, and she's actually a counselor right now. She's getting her PhD in urban education. So I really look up to her, and I, and I joke with people is that I'm just chasing her around, trying to trying to keep up with her. But uh, we're, we're two people that value the receipt of hard work that you know what that looks like to me it's like a sore body uh, a tired mind uh, fatigue right at the end of the day you you feel the day on your body and in your mind because you were pursuing something that was hard to you so why i'm going to answer in reverse here why do hard things because somebody's got to do it um i could not stand in front of my students and talk about what i did in college and take myself seriously um, that is not to say that I don't talk about what I did in college, especially when they ask, you know, that's what they're interested in. That's their next step in life. So talking to them about that is important to talk about my experience in college, my athletic ventures and things like that. That matters to them. Right. But who am I now is more important to me than who I used to be in the past. So why do hard things? Because somebody has got to do it. And if I don't pursue hard things, both physically, mentally, and emotionally, right. That mental and emotional component, I would say is actually harder for me to pursue than doing something physical. Physical right. comes easy to me. Uh, not that I'm, I'm so gifted that, you know, it's, it's not challenging, but that hard work is, is normal. It's a language that I speak hard work mentally, like pursuing a doctorate, hard work emotionally, like diving in and doing uh, the deep work of a relationship, a lifelong relationship. Those are things that, that intimidate me. They uh, expose vulnerabilities to myself and to the people around me. But those are equally as important for me to grow and level up. I think you talked about that earlier, leveling up as a, as a human being. And if we are not pursuing hard things, we're never going to be the person that, that God intended us to be. We're never going to be able to provide the impact or the influence for the people in our lives. I think it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. talked about it. He's like, we have God gave us two hands for a reason. One to pull ourselves up and, and the other one to pull up someone behind us. So that we're, it's constantly this balance of, we're pulling ourselves up, we're pulling people behind us. And someone's doing the same thing to us. Life is a team sport. And I think, you know, the military really teaches that you are only as effective as the strength of your team together as one unit. Um, And I think of us as as humans on this planet, especially within organizations, within schools, is if I'm not leveling up in my life outside of school, how can I expect to level up within school? I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Um, how you do anything is how you do everything. And, right. I, and I think that that's very evident for leaders is that when we see leaders fail is that they're failing in other areas of their life for a long time. And then it kind of bleeds over into their career, which is when we we see it publicly. Um, and then I think the, the first question you asked, of who were the examples or what were the examples to me? I mean, I had a dad that served for 
30 years in the FBI as a special agent. I had uh, an uncle that was a fighter pilot in the Navy, uh, another uncle that went to West Point as field artillery officer. I had a, I had a grandfather who was a, a two-star general in the military. Their dad's dad did several tours in Vietnam. I have a mom that's selfless and just so giving. I have a sister that serves as a nurse in a pediatric uh, ER. I'm so, I am so blessed to be surrounded by people that are better than me. I'm just trying to keep up. And I think if I've learned anything from being a leader, the humility of leadership is that it is a tremendous burden, but an immense privilege to be a leader. And if you don't, if we don't put ourselves in rooms where people are better than us, then we're never going to get there. So the examples I have are just a people that I've been so blessed to have around my life that I put myself in the room with also outside of my family, like my relationship with my fiance and, and putting myself around people that I look up to, that's how we get better. I'm just trying to find the best people to be around, not to, not for self-gain, not for, not for social networking and not for, uh, to, to find value, uh, for what I can get from them, but just what I can learn at the feet of the giants that surround me. And I think if we're humble enough as leaders to accept that we don't know it all, but we have tons of to learn from so many people around us, then I think, I think we're going to be in a whole lot better place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's the, the famous quote and I'm famous for botching quotes, but you know, you're a product <laughs> of, you know, the, the five closest people that surround you. Right. And if you're, if, if you look at all those people and you're like, ah, they're not really pushing the limits of what's, what their own possibilities are, then you're probably in the wrong room and you need to find some new friends. So I love that you brought that up, not only surrounding yourself and being fortunate to have such great family members and examples that were set for you, but then the fact that, you know, you and your fiance chose to take on that, I, I mean, training for an Ironman, mental, emotional, physical challenge um, together, I think is a powerful example to set as well. Last little transition. I know you got a little bit of a time constraint, but I want to talk about, obviously, Training for an Ironman takes a lot of time. You know, it, for those of you that don't know what an Ironman is, I believe a two-mile swim, uh, 100 and how far bike? 12. 112. 112-mile bike, and then a marathon at the end. So, obviously, it's going to take some time. Talk to me about how you're finding balance. We're heading into the new year. A lot of educators are going to be looking for some sort of health, wellness change. I always talk about setting big goals, doing hard things. So how do you balance all of that with your time while still maintaining a relationship, uh, being able to be a great leader in education, and then obviously your physical, mental, and emotional pursuits? Yeah, I, I wish I had the uh, the magic pill or the magic bullet for the answer for that, and I don't think I do. Yeah, what what has worked for me, in I think you know what will continue to work for some people is, I do think setting massive goals that are that that we don't put a ceiling on, I think are good for us, because if if we're just trying to just level up just one half bit then I don't really think that we're, we're pursuing something that it's going to get the most out of us. Um, now, with that being said, set realistic expectations on time, but set a goal that is be just beyond your comfort zone. If it doesn't scare you a little bit, I don't think it's going to get the most out of you. Brother, mm -hmm. I wanted to bail on the Ironman. We had planned to train for about four months going into that first one. And when it got deferred, uh, you know, 13 months later, there were several times during that process where I was trying to find a good reason why I shouldn't do it. Um, and that's awesome because once I get to the other side of that fear, that discomfort, that, uh, uncertainty, well, I just unlocked this whole new world of 
potential and growth. Like I said before, I just got I just got humbled by it for 13 months. You know, it was it was a daunting task that was lived in the back of my mind, like uh like a like a bad movie that was, you know, somebody was following me in the woods. But mm-hmm. on the other side of that tremendous growth that I get to share with other people. I can talk, I can relate to people at any level because I understand what that fear feels like. For some people, it's the fear of, of, of joining a gym, right? Mm-hmm. Some people, it's the fear of, of going from that couch to 5K, maybe that that 5K to half marathon, maybe that half marathon to a full or even an ultra, which I've done a few of. It, those are daunting things. But I promise the people that are setting goals, find what find what the next best step looks like, the next you know logical sequence of events, and go one or two steps beyond that. That should be the goal. You'll hit that other goal on the way, which is what you want. And you'll probably get there sooner if you set the goal higher, but find that next, that next pivot or that next kind of leapfrog jump for a goal. Cause I really think that's going to put people in the best situation. And then as far as balancing it, I don't think there is balance. I, I think balance looks a lot more like a pendulum swinging and a lot more like seasons of life that are intense focus in different areas. And you kind of shift uh, together. But like I said, I don't have a perfect answer. But I know from the military, it talks about prioritize the priorities. Okay, well, the first priority to me is, is my relationship with my with my fiance, uh, and, and together our our faith and, and how we choose to pursue that both indiv- independently and together. And then after that, it looks like you know the military and education, right? Those are two career fields that are massively important to me. And then I have the health component. The thing is, all those work symbi- symbiotically. All them work. All those things work together. So. Sometimes it looks like I got to stay up a little later working on an assignment, working on a paper. Sometimes I have to take a day off when that is not natural to me to take a day off from training to just to spend time uh, with my loved one. And so that we can connect. Sometimes it looks like us training together because then we get kind of unfiltered time together where we can put phones, computers, devices away that, you know, really kind of chain us to certain areas Mm -hmm. and we can just do that. And sometimes it looks like Hey, babe, you need to go do your thing. I do my thing so that we can come back even better versions ourselves and give more to one another. But it looks like seasons. It looks like communication, honest, self-aware communication with uh, yourself, the people in your life, and the ones you care about the most. Um, like I said, I don't think that there's a magic bullet. But if you don't have a plan in place, then you can never backwards plan to get there. Like I said before, I know that I wanted to get that Ironman done. So I knew... When the weekend came, I needed to sit on the bike and go for a four to five hour ride. I knew that I was going to be staring down the barrel of a 13 to 15 mile run. I knew I was going to have to go get in the pool, which I hate, and, and swim for an hour and 15 to hour and a half, just slugging away. It looks like hard work and it's disguised in, in the things that we, the, the mundane things, right? But you have to have a plan in place and you have to have a goal in order to put a plan in place. Otherwise, they're never going to happen. Yeah, I love so many points there. I was going to ask you for a couple tips for educators who are looking to make a change to set those big goals. But I think you just covered them, you know, having the goals, allowing yourself to plan and have backwards planning. And then I love the part of there is no balance, allowing yourself to be unbalanced but having those priorities that are allowed to swing and flex with open communication with yourself, having that self-awareness. And then obviously if you have a family and partners, having that communication with them. And I think those are 
such great takeaways that any educator with any goal, like you said, whether it's, hey, I want to start walking 10 minutes a day, or it's I want to run an Ironman or an ultra marathon, whatever that may be, all of those principles apply and then taking action each day to make it happen. So I love that. Um, last but not least, what are your future goals? You've got a lot going on. Um, I assume there's a wedding coming up at some point with the fiance. Obviously that's taken a lot of time, but what are your future goals, both in education and then in your physical endeavors? Yeah. Future goal. Definitely uh, front side focuses. We're getting married in about two weeks. Well, the 17th. So I don't know when he, how many days that is from now, uh, yeah. but it's pretty close to two weeks. Um, that's the front side focus. Um, career goals, I think, in education to start with is I would love to be a principal of school. I'm working on my doctorate in leadership. I'm an assistant principal right now. I absolutely love my job. And I think because I love my job so much, I can be super picky with if if and when I get an opportunity to be a principal somewhere, I would love to be at the school I'm at now, but I can be picky because I'm so satisfied and fulfilled with the work I'm doing. Um, but within the physical world, uh, we have another uh, half Ironman in April that we're planning to do. Um, I would like to, I got some dangerous goals in mind of, of how fast I want to go. I went uh, sub six, the first half Ironman I did, the only one I've done. Um, I'd really like to get down to that, that, uh, that really close to five hour mark. Cause I would love to qualify for, for, um, you know, worlds in, in, uh, in Ironman, that's a long shot. And I totally understand that. Um, I got really close to the new, uh, goals of the military physical goals, got really close to, uh, maxing the ACFT for, um, the, the new army physical fitness test. Um, and I was like, you know, I, was, I think I was five points away from maxing it, which is, which I was pretty impressed with. I've, I've tweaked my training slightly. So I feel confident that I'm capable of doing that. Um, but I really like to do that because I think one of the best ways to set an example, but you understand more than anyone in the military is that, man, are you fast? Are you physically in shape? And are you willing to do the hard work, uh, when no one's looking? And I'd like to say yes to all those things because I'm putting in all that work along the way. Um, and, and really, I just, I want to keep finding ways to challenge myself in those three areas, right? Through emotional, in my, in my faith, intellectually, and, and physically. Um, and I think that is, that's hard to do. Every day before I get in the shower, before I go to work, I hammer out about 15 pull-ups and I do 30 hand release push-ups. For some people, that may be a piece of cake. Before my eyes are even all the way open, that's something that I always want to find an excuse not to do. But it is choosing to do something hard every day that gets that built up that tolerance, built up those calluses in, in our mind, like David Goggins talks about, right? Because Mike Tyson said it. He goes, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. And well, I want to, I want to build contingency plans within myself so that I can take hits and keep moving forward. I can find a way up around and over obstacles because I'm preparing myself both physically, mentally, emotionally, and, and, and through my faith. And I think doing that with the right people in my life, like, like my, my future spouse, the, the friends and the family that I have, I think is what is going to get us there. And one of the tips that I would offer anybody that's pursuing a new venture, find a community of people that you can be encouraged by and that you can encourage also that hand up and, and hand out, uh, you know, like, like uh, I quote, probably butchered the uh, MLK, MLK quote, I think is so pivotal in, in our life, but find someone find somewhere that you can be encouraged by and that you can also encourage other people. That's, that's what we need to do. If we had more of that, 
we'd be in a pretty good spot and the world would be a whole lot better place, but it starts with us as individuals. Yeah. I love that final takeaway of starting with us, but then being willing to find that group, hold yourself accountable, contribute to the group, hold others accountable and allow yourself to be held accountable, which is such a powerful tool. Well, Trevor, it's been awesome chatting. I think we, we have a lot of similar thoughts and beliefs and passions in life and uh, health, wellness, leadership, all the things. So I really appreciate your time. Guys, if you're listening to this and you don't follow Trevor on social, whether that's Twitter or Instagram, uh, where can they follow you? What's the best place to get the Trevor inspiration? <laughs> uh, primarily, it's just Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. So on Twitter, it's Trevor underscore T-Berg, T-B-E-R-G. And then LinkedIn is just my name, Trevor Timmerberg. But yeah, I'd love to connect. I, I get an immense inspiration from the people that I choose to follow. I think the feed that we have is is a another point of emphasis of what kind of content are you choosing to consume and what kind of content are you choosing to produce? Because that that that's a self-inventory piece on, on w- what the next direction that you're heading is. Absolutely, guys. Give them a follow. That'll be in the show notes. And if you guys have any questions for Trevor on anything that we covered today, you're looking to set a big goal, you need some inspiration for your future Ironman, don't hesitate to reach out Reach out to him. Comment wherever you see this posted. I'll make sure to tag him. And I hope you enjoyed the episode.